Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. Once you decide to enter into the cannabis space, you are an activist. You are an advocate for the plant and for the people whose lives are affected by the plant that you're selling. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. All right, season four. Welcome back uh, to the Cannamom Show, where we are still talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one canna story at a time. Hey, Dave, I missed that song. Good to see you. Good to see you. You look <laughs> uh, pretty well rested. How was the summer? Good summer. Did a lot of traveling. I didn't record any new shows, but um, I was busy networking. I saw. I was following you on the so- socials. Yeah. So um, I'm meeting all sorts of women, all sorts of women joining the cannabis industry. In the industry, I've been getting guests, getting sponsors. And um, one of the really outstanding events I did attend in August was the Green Goddess Golf Invitational in Haverhill, Mass. It was honestly an amazing event made possible by a woman-run dispensary, STEM Dispensary in Haverhill, and it featured and was designed for women in cannabis. Nice. So, um, you know, women building this industry, we do things better. So 100% of that invitational profits went directly to Pose, a community engagement and advocacy organization in Haverhill whose mission is to inspire individuals and mobilize resources to strengthen communities. So it was fun, and um, I don't golf, but there is a really funny video of me in a pink dress and black shoes golfing. If you can't be a golfer, look like a golfer, right? 
they because <laughs> they usually dress pretty snappy. I don't golf either, so yeah. what the heck? It was a it was a fun event. It was a consumption event, so we can talk about that later. Oh well. Um, yeah, I know. Um, I've also been doing a lot of bike riding this summer. Um, and uh, so my husband Rick and I, we've been married mm. for thirty years. We're going on a trip, and um, some do say he looks a little bit like George Clooney. So if you see me riding around Cambridge, it's not George, it's Rick. <laughs> You know who says he looks like George Clooney more than anyone? Uh, you do. But that's great. That's, <laughs> no, he does. That, oh, he do, okay. <laughs> Which comes back to me. <laughs> okay. Well, that's love. Um, anyway, so this show is being recorded in September. It's coming out in October. But when I come back, I will have a big adventure story from my bike ride through the um, hills of Greece. Nice. Are you worried at all that, that you won't? Yes, you I'm are? very worried. Yeah. Because uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be scared. It sounds like there are a lot of hills there, probably. Are there a lot of hills in Greece? Mountains. Mountains, there's a, hills. There's a, there's a van if I can't do it. But I've been I've been <laughs> training. I've been it's been getting me out there training. So um it's been very healthy. So cool. you know. All right. So even if you is, even if you hadn't haven't been on a bike in a long time, I, I hear it's just like uh, you get on and it's you know, it's just like riding a bike. Haha. <laughs> Go boom boom. Thank you. <laughs> yep, that's the uh, um the world. And there are a lot of electric bikes out there. We are not getting an electric bike, but maybe next time um that might be my smarter <laughs> move, but we'll see. I'll be ready. Um, okay. And I can tell you all about the status of cannabis in Greece, which I think is illegal, but I'll find out. <laughs> Jeez, you'd, th- you'd think they'd be ahead of the curve. I would think Greece would be pretty progressive, but maybe today's guest knows something else. All right. Um, and before I introduce today's guest, I just want to thank Miss Grass for making today's show possible. Miss Grass is a premium THC and CBD product line that is terpene rich and carefully crafted by expert cultivators so that you are assured the same terpene and cannabinoid profiles batch to batch and state to state. So you always know what kind of high to expect. And if you want to find Miss Grass, we now have it available in California, Nevada, Illinois, and right here in Massachusetts, or their CBD products can be found online at missgrass.com. And we'll be speaking with Jenna Levesque a little later in the show to learn more about Miss Grass, Weed for the Times. And that is where we are. So ready, Dave, for season four? I'm fired up and ready to go. I can tell. All right. So here we go, people. Today's guest. Today's guest represents the best type of Canna community leader. She is out there in a new and exciting directions and opening opportunities for so many others. She is known in the community as Lady Canna. She's a former IT professional working many years as a network system engineer. She holds degrees in computer sciences and network infrastructure, as well as multiple certifications. And most recently, she began working with the powerhouse, Christina D'Arcangelo, and holds the title of Chief Operating Officer at Affinity Bio Partners, LLC. Her grassroots campaigning and cannabis advocacy goes back 30 plus years, and she's been heavily involved in patient representation, harm reduction, public policy and community organizing. In 2019, today's guest founded Vanguard Media Online, a media platform and magazine dedicated to women in cannabis. She is secretary of the board of directors for Affinity Patient Advocacy, where she continues her work in medical cannabis research and is serving her second term as DEI committee member and as chair of the content subcommittee for the National Cannabis Industry Association. I am so happy we are launching season four with this inspiring cannabis industry leader. And I know you are going to love meeting her too. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Tiffany Watkins. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much. So happy to be here. Hi, Tiffany. So I know you have a very big canna story um, and you've been advocating for a very long time. So can we just sort of begin in the beginning so people get a sense of um, 
what your relationship with cannabis was, how that created this, I mean, it's a passion inside of you. It really is, Joyce. It's a, it's, it's a deep passion and, and what it lies in, not just for the plant, but it's for the people. Um, my journey started with advocating for people and the freedom to choose. Um, you know, in the late 80s, it was, that was my time. Um, it was, you know, very prevalent that AIDS was taking over. And uh, the LGBT community was, of course, stricken the hardest. Uh, the stigma was the worst. Right. And the treatments at that time were not as advanced as what we have and rely upon today. And with those treatments came a multitude of other illnesses as side effects. And I think, you know, many were turning to alternative medicines then, cannabis being one of them. And I saw, you know, close friends being treated like criminals for trying to mitigate the effects of medications that they were having to take. Were you, and were you, were you on the West Coast then? Where were you? West Coast, yeah. Okay, okay. And um, it, it just, it, it wasn't fair. I was young and full of vigor and I saw that it wasn't fair. And I, I started just going where I could to hear people talk about what it meant to bring medical cannabis forward. And I had the, the I say the pleasure, but it's really the luck. And I, I'm so grateful for it to know people who had been fighting for cannabis for, you know, 20, 30 years before me. And they taught me a lot about what the plant can do, but also taught me a lot about the culture, the community of cannabis. And I said, this is all being destroyed. And what can I do? And I just jumped right in. I, you know, was uh, heading into college and I was just like, wherever I can go, whatever I can. Oh, so you're very, you were very young. So, okay. So what was your relationship with Kim? So I'm 57. I thought it killed brain cells. I didn't know any of this. And I'm on the <laughs> East coast. <laughs> so, but, yeah. but what was your relationship with cannabis? What did you understand it to be? And um, yeah, you were young. So you were jumping right in. I was jumping right in. And my relationship with, with cannabis is that I, I had had cannabis before. You know, I had, you know, done what most people had done at that at that time. And in those years was I'd smoke some weed with friends. It really wasn't a big deal. Well, it was to my family. I come from a very conservative background, even now in what we have for cannabis today. Much of my family is just like, I don't know about that. This that's that, so that's funny. I, I just thought like, like, I hope you're safe. They still and where I am today. They still are hoping I'm safe because they know that cannabis is a part of what I do. So, you know, I, it, my background is is very conservative, but I, I just have the streak in me that says, you know, we, we find pleasures and we find help and community where we find it. And so that also. And, you, and, and, you, and you're living it. OK. All yeah. right. So, all right. So you come in, you're you're young, but you go to the tech world. You go sort of a more traditional route. You're doing your work. Um, so what. But during this time, were you doing advocacy work? Were you learning more? Like, were you able, was to, were you able to be open? Actually, were you able to open about your understanding or your use of cannabis in the world you were living in? in the, no, not no. at all. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I wasn't. I was not open about my usage of cannabis. And, uh, you know, like, like I said, it hadn't integrated into my life the way that it is now, a part of my normal daily therapies, the way that I raise my children. My kids are grown now, you know. But, uh, you know, at that time, Every, everyone was doing things from the shadows because we had so much to lose, especially those of us who were entering college. We knew where our career paths were going and the community just didn't quite match that. 
And so, no, uh, it, it wasn't something that I that I could be open and go, hey, I use cannabis and I'm so proud. It was just like, hey, I'm going to be here at these rallies. I mean, and at that time we did whatever. There were a lot of leaders at the time um, that, I mean, I'm pretty sure that we did a lot of grunt work for. We made sure signs were where they needed to be. We registered voters. We did uh, things like making sure there was a, a ton of printouts that so we could have flyers that could go in the hands on cars. Right. Everyone come to advocacy, community out. organizing. This is like important. This is how you change parts and minds is just getting the message out there. Yeah, very much so. And during that time, I still advocated for uh, for what can we do to mitigate HIV and AIDS. So I was, you know, just barely, I am like 18, 20 years old and I'm standing in front of bars I can't even legally get into. And I'm handing out condoms and asking for abstinence and being told to go somewhere else. But we were adamant on trying to hit this from all angles. What? But I didn't know. I, I didn't know any of this part of your story. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. These are the things that I did. This, this is, is how you got started. Shapes who I am today. You know, I, and all that passion and and vigor I carried with me thirty two uh, years to present day. Where and, I and, and, and the same way. And the, the hopeful part is again, people talk a lot about burnout. We talk about burnout a lot and a lot of levels. And you are doing a lot, but there's maybe we could talk about this later. How you sustained it, but this idea that you could. This is a serious, mm, not just a passion. It's almost like it's, it's 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 like a bubble around us, like this cannabis world that we know so much. And there's no way I say this often about the women. They're becoming the women they needed, and they just are evangelized. They know what this does, and they just keep going no matter what. So you're part of that perseverance. All right. So you're in the tech world, and then yeah. you go to cannabis. How'd that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I burned out in the tech world. Oh, you, that's where you burnt out. That's, that's funny. where my burnout was. You know, um, during that time. We have this huge boom, you know, and uh, we were not only getting degrees, we 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 got the, um, you know, the letters behind our names that said, this is what you do and this is how you do and this is how we work. Right. And um, I, I went everywhere. I was building networks for folks and helping them uh, communicate in an electronic sense. So you were how, how old were you? Were, you were- you were in your 20s? We are like, you were young. You were young. Yeah, I was young. I was definitely like a young, old. powerful black woman out there telling tech guys what to do. That must have been really interesting. It was it was filled with a lot of interesting situations. Uh, you know, being a woman in the tech space at that time. And it's even that way today, which is just so yeah. painful. But it was. I was the subject of much harassment, whether it be harassing me for my intellect or harassing me because I was a woman. Yeah. Or trying to challenge my place because I'm a black woman, you know. Yeah. So I, I think that there was there was a lot of that. But you, when you're young, you you know, I always look back on that as a side note. I look back on that and I go, I could have, I could have said more. I could have fought a little harder. But those are the things that you grow with and you realize mm, microaggressions. Oh, you were really being very sexist in that moment. But also, we didn't have any role. Again, I'm 57, so we didn't have any role models. Like right. I, I don't know. I mean, we were forging these weird new paths that people, you know, and if we didn't do it ourselves, we were told we were failing, which is sort of nice. You know, it's like, it's hard right. to do all these things. And there's, a, if there's not a community out there, which is we're building in cannabis, who says, this is how it's, this is a good way to be, even though it's different from what the leadership might look like. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do that. So you're a part of that movement of making leadership look different and proving it can be humane, I suppose. I don't, I don't even know what to say about white male leadership. That <laughs> it just, can be equal. That it, equal. That it just can be equal. Yeah. You know, and that there doesn't have to be such a divide. And I'm glad to have been a small part of that, you know, because it's really helped me propel other women forward of, of all races um, forward to understand that, you know, stand firmly in what you know and believe, trust yourself 
and and just you know really go for what it is that you want and don't live in the shadow of mediocrity that's pushed forth by the male patriarchy because that's what really what happens is that you know there's nothing you know more powerful than a, a mediocre male going for something and i don't i mean and i know no 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 i have this i have this i have this joke i say i want to create a world where exceptional women can achieve like mediocre men yeah. But I just think that's like too low. You should, a mediocre woman should be able to achieve like mediocre man. We shouldn't it's have to be exceptional. <laughs> if, 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 the, if the middle of the range is where you are and that's where you plan to be and that's where you plan to stay, then you should have an equal shot at doing that. Really, it's about equality because everything is all tongue in cheek aside, but it's really about just go out there and leave people alone. Why are you worried about what color they are, what gender they are, what orientation, what, what they identify as? Don't worry about it. Don't do it. Okay. So you're um all right. So you're you you'd burn out in tech at some point. And you stayed you stayed on the West Coast the whole time? Were you always I, I I yeah, I, I reside on the West Coast, but I okay. kind of go everywhere. Okay. So, right. <laughs> so this is your world out there, you're doing things. And then um, so what's your relationship as you're going through the tech world, like what you're still advocating? What else are you seeing in cannabis? I mean, it's legalizing now at this point. So are you starting to build this idea that this could be a different part of your life? What was your sort of thought process? My thought process was was more family. Yes, I was still advocating for cannabis and I had I, I had my daughter and I said, you know, I kind of want to focus on what makes this world better for this generation that's coming. What is it that I can do? And tech is going to be a part of it, but it's not going to be the whole picture. And if I'm so focused working hundreds of hours all the time, um, how can I even help do my part since I put a person on the planet? What can I, I'm not really helping my part. So that's what also led to some of that burnout. And I just started to shift and change into helping people. I still advocated for for cannabis. I advocated for medical freedom because the war on drugs is just uh, I just want to interject this that the war on drugs didn't just affect only black and brown, but women were a target as women who had children making a medical choice for their child that really needed something different. And they were being treated like criminals and having to take cover and run. There are groups of women who've had to change states and just uproot their lives running because of the war on drugs. And I said, there's so much more for me to do in the community that I think I can walk away from tech and still be a full-time worker because I just had so much to do. So I did get in with uh, different organizations, cancer organizations, women organizations. So that's so powerful. I, okay. So like, what's, so? how old was your daughter when you decided to do this? You had other children too, right? I have two children. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, my daughter was at that time, my daughter was just about to turn two. Oh, she was little, little. Okay. Mm -hmm. yep. All right. And then, um, so what, so this is, again, I did not consume cannabis when my children were little. I probably should have, I would have been happier. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I mean, I could stop at the, I say this a lot. I could plan on stopping at the liquor store between the office and daycare and talk about it out loud. Like that was totally acceptable. But if I was like, I want to smoke a joint before I pick my kid up, I would have been arrested. And I was a divorce attorney. I would have used this against people. So right. again, um, all right. So what did your daughter know about your medicine or how, how was it raised? How was it incorporated into her or your children's lives? Like, what do they know about it from a young age? So from a young age, I'm pretty sure that they just knew uh, cannabis in the household as if, it, if they saw something, that it was just something that was for uh, their parents. Yeah. Um, I didn't talk about it uh, with my children because I didn't feel there was a reason to. I use cannabis in the home from the kitchen throughout the house. So, so I didn't hit it. I like to look at it. 
So you weren't hidden though. It wasn't like it a, wasn't. you weren't hiding in the bathroom and like, you know, smoke. You were like, it was just a thing what you did. Okay. Right. And because I don't believe that that cannabis only needs to be consumed via smoking. I mean, which is one That's of true. the best methods and the fastest ingestion and the fastest absorption for the body. But I think that when using it, I really felt like it was something that was in my kitchen that I can put in foods. I could put, uh, you know, I, and as my children got older, um, and many people have heard me say, and I'll say that this here for your listeners, I raised my children without pharmaceutical medication and without MD intervention. Um, I'm not silly. If there was a major issue, of course, we were going to go to an emergency room. If there was a broken arm, of course, we were going to do that. Um, but I treated my children at home myself. And I have two uh, adult children who have never had a pharmaceutical or synthetic medication. Mm. A treat from the kitchen. Cannabis was one of many herbs used in my kitchen to keep my family healthy. So can I go so, back to your, so the rest of your family still thinks like you're gonna, you're a drug dealer. So what was your, <laughs> <laughs> right. They think of it in terms of, so, so, no. I mean, so is this an issue? I mean, this is like, I'm always, a, you know, what happened? Was this like a family issue or they just like, you're just like off. We don't know what's wrong with Tiffany or were they, they you know, did, I think it just Tiffany being Tiffany. Okay. You know, did it cause a huge level of drama? No, my mom, okay. she didn't agree, but she never said anything cross about it in front of my kids. Nice. Okay. Um, she, you know, of course, uh, you know, very conservative, but allowing me to be who I am. So I'm pretty sure that the, the you know, the top, you know, behind the scenes is, oh dear, you know, what's what's going on. I'm sure there was a lot of that, but having produced two healthy, intelligent and productive citizens um, that walk around being great adults, I think that 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 conversation has probably changed leaps and bounds of like, hmm, well, I guess maybe it wasn't all doom and gloom. Well, the can of mummy story. Yeah. I mean, again, like just proving doing it if you do yep. it and then people can see it. This is like the thing that changes hearts and minds. All right. So you st your story is still big. OK, so the kid thing, your family. All right. So. Somehow you went from being tech, being the mom, and then you started Vanguard Media through all the advocacy. So what was that? That was right before the pandemic, right? Yeah, that was in 2019. Yeah, yeah 2019. But the concept of, of Vanguard uh, comes from about, uh, I'd say, eight, eight or so, almost 10 years now, really okay. prior to that. And that is where Lady Canna comes from. Okay. Um, I, you know, I would talk with people about cannabis and a lot of women would ask me questions and um, it turned into, maybe it was just a few women. Well, do you mind if I invite a couple of my friends? And I'm like, okay, well, let's just have this conversation. Let's get this reintroduction, so to speak, to cannabis as things were moving forward. Um, and then people said, well, you know, would you be willing to speak here and answer these questions? And I said, Okay. And admittedly, in the beginning, it was a bit stodgy. You know, I'm here and you know, I'm giving a lecture. I've always, you know, I've been an educator before. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, it feels like I'm giving a lecture. And then it just twisted. One of these, I'm trying to remember where I was, it was in Northern California. And I just decided to hop off the stage and stand with the, the people in the audience and start asking questions. And suddenly it became a town hall. Yeah, we started to get people felt more. It wasn't just I'm just going to sit here and glaze over, watch Tiffany talk and then go say I saw her speak. They were interactive. They were interactive with each other and they were listening. And yep. I said, "Whoa, this is this is incredible. People are listening to each other because not everyone always agreed. Some people would show up and they would oppose. 
And of course, I'd stack the deck. I say, come, come see this. If you oppose to cannabis in your area, if you don't think there should be a delivery service in your area because you think there's some harm, I want to hear what you have to say. Smart. And these people would start talking to each other and they were listening and I was guiding conversation. And it just became a series of talks from small places like, you know, just at, at someone's house. So they invite, you know, about 10, 20 people mm-hmm. all the way to the Cow Palace where we had tons of people. So it's just, it just really rolled into people wanted to hear more. I yep. found that women were more in touch with wanting to have these conversations and share experiences intimately with me. And I thought there's got to be a better way to carve out what this space looks like right now. And that's where Vanguard came into play. I said, I can create this archive. I can create a snapshot of what it looks like now, Mm -hmm. next year, the following year, the following year. We'll have always a place and time to look back and see what women were doing and what women felt like during this emergence and on into thriving. You know, I look off into the future and go, this, we we will really have a true snapshot. And I think that I just, I'm in a position to do so because I was out there standing amongst these women and, and assessing and hearing their need. And so I was able to tailor something that was really for them and by them. That's awesome. All right. So that's our mission too, because again, this is, um, I say this a lot, healed women are out there healing women and being leaders, which is really powerful, which is really the mission of all of us who, you know, why people are evangelized. If you're making people feel better you're creating a better world. We're adding value. You know, we're moms, we're caregivers. This plant's a caregiver. This is, you know, this is a good way for it to be. So I love that seeing leaders doing great things. All right. So let's see. Um, See one more question before we switch. Let's see. You're working. I'm just going to switch it all up. Okay. So you're working now with the powerhouse, Christina D'Archangelo. She's been on the show. I know that she is having a conference that we're connected to in 2023, but what are you doing there now? And um, I guess we can talk a little bit about the conference too. What's happening? What's going to be happening? Sure. I was very excited to uh, start working with uh, Christina D'Arcangelo. Um, I started with her uh, on her board for APA or Affinity Patient Advocacy. Um, I featured her in, I think, 2020, the first time in Vanguard, and that's where I learned of her work. And she told me about this board that she had put together and that, uh, you know, what they were working on. We talked about it for a few months. And then um, when she saw that, you know, that was really kind of my background in, in, in advocating for people, she offered me a seat on the board. And I said, yeah, of course, I want to be a part of this work. And so I think we probably worked another eight, 10 months uh, before uh, I became the secretary of the board uh, where I can, you know, help kind of curate what we are doing, what's next for us, right? And the work that we're doing there is, is exemplary. And the reason why I say so is because we are just truly focused on patient advocacy with that board. When someone comes through and they're, they are either, you know, at a disadvantage financially or they or they're just emotionally in an uproar because of something they've recently heard we find a way to support them at no cost so are these sorry just uh so these are paid so this is exactly what are you doing with i guess what's what's the specifics what are the things you're actually like working on yeah so specifically we find ways to offer um low cost or no cost support to 
any patient from any avenue. We use our resources to pair them with what they need if we can't do it ourselves. And what, so kind, of, what, 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 kind, of, what kind of patients are coming to with what issues? Is it the range? Oh, it's, it, it, it runs, it, it just is all across the board. We have oncology patients. We have psychiatric patients. We work in all realms. If you are in a, a medical situation that is, you know, either plaguing your life or you feel that you need more support, you can come to Affinity Patient Advocacy and ask for that support. If it's an organization that's trying to reach patients or trying to fundraise or th do things like that, we like to provide whatever support we can. We collectively pool our resources to be able to pair full. So look at, look at it as dot connecting. So when it comes to us, if one of us isn't able to provide that level of support, we can't do it as a board, then we go into our pool of resources and pair them. It's like the web. It's a web across the, you know, it's us. That's what we're building. The women are building the web. That's awesome. Yep. And that's conference. So I know um, we've had a couple of delays, but it's happening in 2023. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. The, retreat, yeah. the CD retreat um, is going to be a wonderful three-day weekend of rest and relaxation for women. Uh, we're we're almost handpicking this. We would like to have a, a very peaceful and a very um, empowered weekend to refresh. So what that's going to be chock full of are, are speakers and activities that are going to bring us all closer together to our collective goals, which is leading our lives in a, in a way that feels comfortable and feels good. I like to say it feels nice and juicy, where you're just really, you're doing what you want to do and doing what you have to do and able to keep a smile on your face genuinely. Because a lot of us will do what we have to do. And we, you know, we put that, we paste a smile on and we go, we can go forward, but we want that smile to be uh, tapped into a genuine feeling of rest. And that'll rejuvenate us. You need to stop sometimes to move forward. So there we Absolutely. go. Um, all right. So we've had a good little chat. We're going to take a quick break to talk with my friend, uh, Jenny Levesque of Miss Grass. And on the other side, we will return with Tiffany Watkins of Affinity Biopartners and Vanguard Media. Hey, Jenna. All right. So I actually met, well, we talked, but we actually met in person at, at the golf event that I talked about where I was running around in my pink dress. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Taurus. It was so great to see you there. What an amazing event put on by STEM. So yeah, there were. Day. And um, all right. So I have met Kate, but uh, I was at an event, I think back in, I can't remember. Uh, we were talking about Miss Grass. We were on a panel, but why don't you tell me about Miss Grass? What is your mission? Um, and again, we're, we're in Massachusetts. So where can Massachusetts people find this? And I have listeners across the country. Maybe you can name drop some other places as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a little bit about our mission with Miss Grass is we're really here to break this stigma. So we want to advocate for cannabis justice reform and equity in the industry and create an inclusive community that's accessible to everyone. Um, so no matter where you live or where you are in your cannabis journey, uh, we really want to ultimately build the culture that reshapes the role of this plant in our daily lives, um, in our health and in our well-being. So Miss Grass, we like to say as a community-based cannabis brand, because we really did start as a community resource versus making product. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Actually, can you go back up? How did that, how, yeah, how did it actually start? Yeah. So our CEO, Kate, she bought the domain for Miss Grass well over a decade ago and just sat with it um, for a while. And 
uh, around 2018, we started to launch a platform of almost like an education hub. Uh, you can go to our website and you can Google or I mean, search on the website, I should say, mm -hmm. uh, any kind of keyword. So if you, for instance, type in mom, since we're on the Canada Mom Show, uh, you're going to see all different articles come up there. So um, there's one called I'm a mom and I use cannabis or finally the truth about moms who smoke weed. Uh, so that's just one great example. So for instance, if you're a woman and you're emerging into this cannabis space and you're going into a dispensary and you're insanely overwhelmed, you don't know what questions to ask, you don't know what strains you like or how you want to consume cannabis, you're able to kind of find a little home there uh, with information and feel a little less alone and stigmatized. That's actually, that's awesome. Again, we talk about this a lot. Women my age and older who do want to use this product for health and wellness, but feel very uncomfortable going into dispensaries and don't even know where to start. So, and I do always ask when I go into dispensaries now, women owned, women cultivated, there aren't that many of them. And that is how I found Miss Grass. I was at a dispensary in the North, in North End? North yes. Station, near uh, North Station. Yeah. yeah. So that was, it was a beautiful display. Again, the display was beautiful. It was engaging. I like to shop. My friend likes to shop. We were sort of drawn to it right away. So um, it's just, you know, again, we are the market. I don't know why everyone isn't marketing to us, but you guys are, and this is where you are. Um, can you tell me a couple, like maybe a little bit about the products, how you're making them specifically for women or moms or caregivers or what thought process went behind that? Yeah, absolutely. So everything we do is in the spirit of conscious consumption. Um, so out here in the mass market, we do have three SKUs. Uh, in California, Nevada, we have a little bit more products out there. But speaking for the Massachusetts market, because uh, that's where I am, we do pre-roll packs. So you do get five mini pre-rolls in the pack. You get matches in there. So you have everything you need right on you on the go, uh, which is amazing. So what we do, what you had touched on in the beginning, is we use very specific terpene profiles and we keep that consistency through each state that we're in. So if you go out in California and you grab a pack and get it in here in mass, it's going to give you the same kind of feeling and high across all the states. So you're that's not actually, getting... actually that's good to know because again, there's no interstate commerce. This is a very strange little industry and yeah. that, you know, there are a lot of products out in the West Coast that I would love to try, but it's kind of, it's difficult because you're not sure, if, are they white labeling it? Is it actually the same product? What is in it? Like who's selling it? So it's actually good to hear from you that this is the goal of Miss Grass is to make sure it's not just yeah, the name, absolutely. it's the product. Yeah. Yeah. So often you'll find, uh, you know, a brand they might send a seed or just use the same strain, but you know, grows in Massachusetts and a grow in California is going to yield such a different product. Um, that we kind of went around that and created something different. So out here in Massachusetts with our three pre-roll packs, we actually blend in each box. So each box that you're getting will have two different strains of cannabis um, to create that very specific and custom terpene profile. Um, so for instance, our All Times, which is my personal favorite, that's our hybrid. Uh, it's usually a mix of granny skunk and butter stuff or granny skunk and tropical runts. And that has the terp profile that we need to really create that certain conscious high and also that same taste and um, effect and feeling that you would get from buying the all times in Illinois or in Nevada as well. So, so the terpene, the terp, that's, I don't, I haven't really heard anybody talk. I mean, I know terpenes are important, but that's not how they're selling it again in the dispensary. So when I go in and I ask why everything's such high THC, they say it's because the customers want it, which I don't think it's true, but 
So what are you doing when you're going to the dispensaries? What is your sell to them? What are they saying back to you? Are they thinking their customers are going to want this or not? What's, what do you hear across yeah, the state? Absolutely. So we do keep our percentages anywhere between 20 and 30%, no matter what. Um, listen, coming from someone who shopped in dispensaries in California in like 2016, you do shop by THC percent when you're new in there. You're not knowing what you're looking for. You think you're getting more bang for your buck by buying like a 36% THC um, personally for me, I am like a 17% high profile for our tarps. You know, that's what I'm looking for. That's what works for my body. So everyone's a little bit different, but there is a gap in education between terpenes and THC percentage. So that's where Miss Grass comes in. You're still getting, you know, your fair percent of THC, of course, which does attract the consumer that might not know about terpenes yet. But right there on the label, when you buy your Miss Grass, you see the whole terpene profile listed out. You can do a little bit of your own education and resources. You can go right on our website and read about those terpenes as well. So um, in the dispensaries, we really are shifting uh, to more terpene baits. So the bud tenders and the cannabis consultants are more interested. The consumers are beginning to become more educated in this specific market um, on terpenes and how that is affecting them and what terps they like and, you know, what they're looking for in your products. So I love that Miss Grass kind of, you know, we snuck in this market at a great time. Our aesthetic is such a visual call to a lot of people, but also the product is what gets people coming back, right? You can buy something once because it looks really nice, but you're going to keep buying it and being a repeat consumer if the product's working for you. So we have our three boxes out here. There are fast times, our all times, and our quiet times. So uh, they are, you know, your sativa leaning, your indica leaning, and your hybrid. We like to not necessarily use the verbiage of that right on the box. We like to describe the product. So when you buy our fast times, you're going to see it says bloom and play. Um, in our quiet time says anchor and restore versus just saying indica on it. Which is smart because the, it's a bar, again, indica and sativa are marketing terms. So you're sort yep. of, you're, you're changing the language with these pretty effective, accessible products. Okay. Um, well, this is exciting. All right. So I know that you're at the, uh, the golf event. Are you doing anything else coming up to do um, product? Um, like pop-ups, anything that people can find you in Massachusetts over the next, yeah, well, it's going to be October. So in October, yeah, are you know, <laughs> October already dressed so crazy. So uh, <laughs> right now, it, it when we're recording this, we've just reached about 80 dispensaries in Massachusetts, which is so incredible um, for our brand. Again, we are still an independent brand in the state. So we are, you know, fully women founded and led and women run and we're a very small group. So uh, we're super excited for just the the absolute like warm reception that we've received so uh hopefully by october we're going to be in more i do make it out to pop-ups and events um you will see them you know time to time on the dispensaries website i don't have my full october calendar um fully planned but we i'll be you know yeah i got i got links in my show notes all right jenna so thank you so much for sharing what you know keep an eye out for these products they're really pretty you can't miss them if they're displayed in I love the little box and I really enjoy having them. So women doing things differently. Thanks, Jenna. Yes. Thank you so much, Joyce. All right. Good for joining us. All right. We got a few more minutes and we are back with Tiffany Watkins. Uh, what have we not talked about? You're still doing your education and your advocacy, but you've also talked a lot about the plant. Like you, you have a sort of like everything. So you talk about having a relationship with the plant and I see I've been in the industry since 2000. 
17, 18, I say, in the like dog years, you've been in it longer. But a lot of people were coming in and saying, no, people were coming in saying, I don't consume, I don't like it, but I'm going to make a lot of money in this industry, which always seemed wrong to me. So you advocate for having a relationship with a plant. It's important. Why do you think that's true? And why do you think that adds more value to this entire industry? Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, I don't like to say that if you don't have a relationship, you have no place because it's a, it, it challenges my view of what a cannabis community and the community of the people who are advocating and loving cannabis really is. But I do say that you need to be open to educating yourself and building your relationship with cannabis through education and knowledge. If you plan to sell this product and to push this product to people, cannabis as a product is different than cannabis as a community. So I think that the product deserves a deep level of education because within the community, you're going to find support with a product. It's going to get sold and you don't know what's going to happen. So I think it needs to be backed by that. Um, when I say I'm an educator, I do actually teach in the cannabis space through Amsterdam University. I teach. Oh, you do? Know, okay. Let's talk about yeah, that too. Yeah, Not everyone yeah, knows. Okay. I, I am. Tell, I tell me about, tell me about, talk about a little bit about Amsterdam and just, uh, it's just amazing. I love hearing all these people out there doing their education because people want this. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I enjoy my time at Amsterdam University. It's a, a, I, I love their ideology. And I love their passion for knowledge and for this plant, the environment and for equity and um, equality in the industry. Right. So what I teach there is advocacy. Um, and I also teach branding and marketing. And with advocacy, it's my passion. So I, I love the class and, and, you know, these Everyone enjoys and everyone gets something from it in some way. But I think that's important. The entire program that I teach within is the business of cannabis. So there's different instructors, and those are my two segments that I teach. And I think what folks are really getting from that is a round, a well-rounded view of what where cannabis has been, what it has taken to get it where it is today, and where it could possibly go with their help, knowledge you know, and all that. So in advocacy, I, I talk strongly about what it means to advocate for something in general and how that can be applied to cannabis, its policies, its products. And most of all, the greatest lesson, and I start with it and end with it, is that once you decide to enter into the cannabis space, you are an activist. You are an advocate for the plant and for the people of, of whose lives are affected by the plant that you're selling. That is true. Point. And that, and again, an advocacy can be transferred onto other skill sets Absolutely. or other issues, but having that skill set, owning that skill set is really powerful. And who, yeah. um, who's coming, who's looking for this information, who are you seeing is reaching out to, to learn it? To take some of the, the demographics from, uh, from my class uh, at my classes at Oaksterdam, there are kids in there. I call them kids, you know, no offense to anyone, but they're like, they're 18, 20, 21. Yeah. They're learning. And this is, this is great to see. So, and I see all walks of life. There are business owners, there are attorneys, there are accountants, there are people who are highly skilled and been in their, their space for a long time. And then there are those who are just emerging. And this is their first university or college experience is coming to Oaksterdam. And so this, uh, this well-rounded um, and diverse group is really amazing. It's, it's very energizing for me because I'm just like, this is, this is helping to build a new style of community, right? And so I, I, really, I really enjoy that. But 
I know that there's a lot to learn and you can't just learn it in one spot. So I also encourage people to continue their education. Maybe it won't be in the books. Maybe it will be talking to people, visiting stores, checking out policy, what's happening in D.C., anything to keep furthering your education in this space. We've all got so much to learn. We can't say I went here and I learned it all. It just doesn't work like that. So it's evolving and and it's evolving even, you know, even like at the hemp side, I was just in a conference with a hemp, um, you know, what they're talking about, the different industries and how to change the federal legislation because the farm bill is coming up. And if you're interested in advocacy, I mean, hemp is bigger than cannabis. So this is huge. This I I talk, it's changed the world. And I'm so excited to see young people. That's actually hopeful. I, you know, there's interesting times we live in, but it's hope that there's a young generation is coming up and they know what this is. It's been normalized. Just like, you know, my children. How old are your children now? They're 21 and 20. All right. So I have a 21 year old and a 23 year old. So again, this is, I see their, their friends are around. This is a different generation than us. It I can't is. be all, I can't be all doom and gloom. And they have a really different perspective. And the idea that this, they're starting in this, this industry that could really transform is really, um, I don't know. I find it hopeful. And that the education part that what other industries talk constantly about education and hope and value. I, I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's so much you as consumers get smarter because this is this this is the my my marketing and branding side as consumers get smarter their purchase power will well their purchase power increases but they they change their targets of what they want to see yeah and so you know when we're talking about dispensary experience when the your consumer walks in and they say hey i know what i want i know what my body needs Yep. I need a broad spectrum or full spectrum product. I need to see what terpene levels are in this. I need to know how this was grown. They are learning to ask these questions. And we have those those in the industry are forced to know more so they can answer the questions. So it would behoove us all to stay at least informed, if not well-educated in the space of what's happening with the cannabis plants and with its its cannabinoid constituents. We need to know more about these things. We need to understand what terpenes mean and how they've been in a part of our lives through a multitude of products, not just cannabis. Oh yeah, so that's a whole we, nother like. Yeah, we, we, but again, so like, we, we, people advocating for themselves, if the dispensaries are telling me that the reason they keep doing these high profile or higher level terp, um, THC products is because people are asking, it's because they're only hearing from a small percentage. So right. again, and they're asking, yeah, the people are asking for it, but they are, uh, I find that they are less informed. Yeah. They think that that's what it's needed. They want, they want to get the most bang for their buck or they feel that that is what's needed because there's a way of breaking down who comes in there. The, there is no one single person or entity who is going to enter into a dispensary or find cannabis to uh, consume it. There is not a target like that, but there are different levels within that. You're weekend users, your wellness users, your connoisseurs, you have all these different. It touch, it touches everybody. Yeah. So here yeah, we are. And, so. and again, I advocate for women my age, older, younger, who are kind of curious and use us for health and wellness. And we're a very specific marketplace. And um, this is what we're doing. We're trying to advocate for ourselves so we can get the products we need. Uh, thank you so much for your work, Tiffany. Um, what is the best way if my um, listeners want to connect with you, learn more about you? What's the best way to reach you? Uh, The best way to learn the most about me is to go to www.vanguardmediaonline.com. 
um, there. You can see about the magazine, a little bit of my journey. Um, I also encourage folks to just seek and just throw my name out there in a, in a Google search and you can find this where, you know, kind of it's everywhere I've been and, and, and a little bit of things uh, about me. Yeah. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. That was first show season four. We made it through Dave. <laughs> we're, we're just getting, we're just getting warmed up on season four. You ain't seen nothing yet. I ain't seen nothing yet. All right. So thank you again. So for my guest and of course my Canna bro, David Jazz and our Canna Mom Show team, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canna Mom Show where we continue in our fourth season on our mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry. And if you are a business wishing to connect to my audience of Canna Curious Women, please reach out so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Canna Mom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, a Boston podcast network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.